here to make you look pretty. Make me look pretty? Yeah, you know, you talk and I just. I do a good job making myself look pretty, no? Mm, I don't know. Not not as good as when you're here? You I think don't know. She thinks she, she's adding to it? Mm. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, see? Mm. See? This is Byron Lazine and Nicole White, and you are tuned in to episode 53 of The Real Word. We don't have that written down anywhere. That was good of you. Yep. Well, I have it on the computer. You're better than me. Word is up. 53. Big news out of Zillow. We've been tracking yes. Zillow relentlessly since the show started. They dropped a bomb last week, and they are now giving unvetted Zillow leads over to Premier Agents. Obviously, with PA4 about six or seven months ago, they stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. They were vetting out leads. But now, via email, so email leads, yep. they are handing back over to the premier agent. What's your thoughts on that change of course from Well, Zillow? we sort of have been, you and I sort of were, we've been, we've, we've, I feel like we've talked about this a before. Lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's fabulous. I, that they're giving the leads over? Well, I mean, for me, for us, mm -hmm. for my personal, yeah, I like, I like just having people's emails. For your dopamine hit? You know? What was that line? Oh, that it, was a, it was a good one. It we'll was link it. We have two, there's two Inman articles that are pretty good. We're going to link them both up. If you're, if you're watching in a YouTube world, that's mm -hmm. where the articles are linked. I don't yeah. think they're linked anywhere else, technically, right? Do we link them on Facebook? Oh, they're linked on yeah. Facebook. But definitely in a YouTube world. So, little quick call to action, guys. You if you're action? listening, watching on Facebook, wherever you are, go subscribe onto YouTube. If you've just been watching on YouTube all mm -hmm. along, not hitting subscribe, do that now. Little, just do it now. push there. But yeah. it's saying, for agents and teams with great follow-up, it will be valuable, he said. For those that aren't great at follow-up, it may satisfy their dopamine-starved minds right. in getting more leads, but nothing else. What they're saying is having these extra leads, if you you're not following up on them. If you're following into the trap of, of National Association of Realtors reporting that 55% of agents don't follow up with a lead even once, let Zillow follow up on them. Originally, and it, I don't know, it doesn't reference it in these articles. Originally, Greg Schwartz that day in Boston mm -hmm. said that if they make that switch, which now they have, you would have the option. Zillow, you can vet. Or mm -hmm. I'll take the unvetted. Yeah. And you could do it either way. I don't know if that's the case. Well, and we were sort of talking about on that very first time that we started talking about Zillow and their new platform that, you know, like w I, I would we would miss we would sort of miss having just any sort of I mean, well, if, if you're good at follow up, if you're good at drips, yeah, yeah. then you have I mean, the it's, opportunity it's, for them to circle back to you. If they're right. in the Zillow world and you stop becoming a premier agent and say they're 24 months out and in 12 months you stop you're going to lose them because For Zillow's sure. the one following yeah. up. They're going to realize you're gone yeah. and they're going to send that out to some other premier agent. Yeah, I like having emails. I mean, it's sort of like doing an open house, right? I mean, not everybody's necessarily buying at that open house. The amount of people that I've met at open houses and then bought like years later. Or sold or we're just yeah, thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's been, or like they bought a house and now they're like, oh, I remember meeting you at an open house a few years ago when I bought my house. But like they're not using that same agent, but like I'm just like a reoccurring I mean, theme. and there's, there's yeah. mixed results here. Melanie 
Cooker, the co-founder, uh, chief executive, and managing broker of She's pissed or Property Sprocket. Blows my mind. Yeah, she said, this blows my mind. So she's saying she's had more success with PA4 than we ever have with any Zillow program. The conversation rate for us is running about 30% now versus 2% yeah. before with a fraction of the wasted time and aggravation. Mm-hmm. I'll take quality over quantity any day. She was, she was really liking... Um, PA for how it was working for her yeah. that she was being connected with vetted leads. I, I guess for her personal Here's self it was probably good but like if you have a team and you have some agents that are just like give them those un, like have them work on something have them learn follow well, what up I have do, them like put what something I do, in, in effect. What I've noticed like agents like Melanie who's you know sounds like she's a really good agent I don't know anything I'm about sorry, her. And, her. And so if, if you're a really strong agent what the, the nice thing about what PA4 when they were vetting leads and, and then only giving them to the agents with a high um, customer satisfaction score, the nice thing if you're a top 10, 5% follow-up agent, like if you're following up better than anybody else, is you're going to get more leads than anybody else. If you're not right. missing calls, you are going to get them all. So you know maybe Melanie has a system in her back office where they're not missing shit. And right. so she's like, I don't want this to go away because now the – the loser agents out there, the agents on the bottom half, the ones yeah. that aren't as great at follow-up, are going to get some of these leads. They're not going to trickle over to me, and then they have more of a chance of getting yeah. lucky. That's what I, like I will say when they were connecting, you know, when, the, when I do connect, get connected, the people are super anxious to, like, see the property. Like, it is a lot. I will say it's when a lot. When they've it's a lot, it out. It's a lot less work, for 100%. Yeah. yeah. So new changes. Love your thoughts. This will definitely not be the last time. And well, we haven't even we hit talk- 2019. I feel like they have all this I mean, unveiling even, of 2019. We're not even there yet. Yeah, we didn't even get into the meat of it. I'm on multiple conversations, I feel like, via text or DMs about Zillow and people tracking the changes, how many more you're getting. I've, I've got people from different states that have been hitting me up on DM since our last video asking. Hmm. Um, I still don't have a DM how many, at all yet from Well, Instagram. DM Nicole if you, <laughs> if you can find her. She's out there. If you um, find me. Well, obviously hmm. they haven't found you yet. We always link up Nicole's Instagram on, on it's YouTube. It's okay. It's right? okay. Go find her I'll on just, the YouTube I'll just description. I'll sit here and smile next to Byron. All right. Racket number one. Yeah. Oh, this is the first one? This is racket number oh, okay. one. Okay. I thought we that were doing the, main the other topic. one first. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I know what the main topic was. <laughs> so should. a different order. Here's racket number one. Yeah. Should dual agency exist here in Connecticut? We're in Connecticut. Dual agency is legal. I know uh, there's probably agents like it doesn't exist in your state. It may not be legal. Mm-hmm. It may it may not be allowed. Um, but overall, and and Jay Thompson, who's obviously a longtime employee at Zillow, he's still writing. He wrote this article mm-hmm. for Inman, um, and it's it's fairly good read. We'll link it up, of course. But just your thoughts overall. Should dual agency be allowed? I'm good with dual agency. Good with it, meaning like you I'm, want it. Yeah. You want it. Sure. You like to dub, double dip? No, I mean, it's. I, I'll be honest. I mean, it's not necessarily what I'm pushing for. Like, if other agents are bringing clients to, like, I just want to sell the house. And if that means that I can, that I'm selling it so, to somebody that's, that's reaching out to me, um, you know, through a lead or like through through a website or through an open house. Like, yeah, I mean, who better to sell it than the listing agent? I get it. I mean, but well, I, here's here's what you're saying, though. Here's what you just said, though, Nicole. Well, hear me out for a second. I'm you just said, you. yeah, I'm good with it. Like whatever it takes to sell the house. 
but I represent the buyer. I'm hearing so you. You're, so you're coming at it right there from a perspective of whatever it takes to sell the house because I'm the listing agent, which is what you should do as the listing agent. Yes. So that becomes tricky when it's and, and he had a, you know, a great line. Um, basically, I'm going to paraphrase off of this mm -hmm. article. I read it before. The line was there. It's impossible to say I'm going to get you the most money for your house to a seller mm -hmm. and say I'm going to get you to pay the least amount of money possible to the buyer. Th mm -hmm. Those are so contradictory. They're impossible statements. And in dual agency, you legitimately cannot, here in Connecticut anyways, you legitimately, during a dual agency situation, cannot negotiate for either party. You are transmitting information mm -hmm. back and forth. Mm -hmm. What I, you know, dual agency, oftentimes to do it right is actually harder. Oh, then 100%. Yeah, it's definitely harder. That being said, if you're going to do it right, you really commoditize the agent's worth in a dual agency situation. Mm -hmm. So in a dual agency situation, say the commission is, we're just going to use examples, six. Apples. Six. Um, Don't they always say that? They always say the apples thing, but we, we're all smart enough to figure out what that means, 6%. <laughs> um, so if the commission in an example was six, mm -hmm. And, and it's dual agency. Usually there's a portion of that commission going to the buyer's agent. Right. Now you're going to keep the whole thing. But why do I say the agent is commoditized? Because if you're going to do it right and you're just going to transmit information, you're getting paid more money to do no negotiating, to transmit information, to be a relayer of information. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's more work is because you're basically trying to not get sued throughout the process. Well, that's that's the yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I see that there are very few cases. It's such a hard it's such a hard one though, especially when you start going into commissions cuz again, sometimes the 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 listing agents like, "Well, like why should you?" It's like, "Well, I would actually be getting that 3% or 2 and a half on the other side if I had them buy a different home, you know?" Like Correct. If you're bringing your buyer in, I get it. Or like if you've been doing like all this legwork with that. Say they've been your buyer that's for really years. The, that's really the and problem. Then, like, nailed, that's the big problem. Like say you're a mega brokerage or a mega team and you're working with a ton ton of buyers and you have a ton of listings. Well, now if you're one of your buyers wants to purchase one of your listings, mm -hmm. that's where it's like, what am I going to? It's my client. They're already my client. Oh, they can't buy your house now because I have the house listed. So I always tend to lean in Connecticut. You can go with a, a designated agency, which is a form of dual right. where somebody is speaking with the buyer that's in your brokerage and somebody else is speaking with, with the listing agent. But, but I agree. There are very few instances. I agree with the premise. I think that Jay was ultimately making right. that he doesn't like dual agency. Right. And I agree that most times it doesn't make a lot of sense. You have to be a very sophisticated buyer and seller to understand and really, really get that this person's not negotiating for you. Well, and it's and it's interesting though, because I I feel like there's many times where buyers feel like they should go directly to the listing agent. Oh yeah. And I think that they do, and there's so many times that I then look sometimes at what those properties are closing at, and I, I can't guarantee that I would have been able to get them a better deal. But I'm I feel I feel like sometimes they actually probably could have gotten a better deal if they had somebody and, and jay them. and jay's talking about single agent dual agency is obviously a conflict, conflict of, of interest. interest and it is let's just be frank about that yeah single agent dual agency is i mean if you're gonna do it right 
especially it's if very it's, hard to prove that you're doing it right too well that's it and it's i i i do know that sometimes i think okay especially if a buyer is coming through like just like a zillow and it's the only home that they've ever yeah. looked at and they're putting in an agent i'm certain that your that your seller probably feels ditched especially if yeah. you've been working with them I've, for you know months and months and months and you know they're sort of desperate to sell and then because you literally are sort of like having to, to to sort of ditch them in the sense that you know you can't give them your opinion on you know i've like, never loved sing actually say that we're writing up a contract right now for single agent dual agency yeah. on one of my listings um that situation everybody knows everybody everybody kind of grew up together mm -hmm. it's a very unique situation but all, but generally speaking i i'm not a fan of single agent dual agency mm -hmm. i'm much bigger fan of how we typically do it where it'll be designated in one mm -hmm. one agent on the team and or in the brokerage mm -hmm. and, and then the other ones mm -hmm. with the other with the other side of the transaction because i've never you know the few times in real estate where i've been like <sighs> i just I don't have a good feeling because because both parties are unhappy. Yeah, have always been a dual, dual agency situation, mm -hmm. where where and they're not unhappy with you. They're unhappy with the deal, which starts to get people. Of course. Oh, well, yeah. what are you saying on the other side? They right. start to question, and when they start to question, people are losing trust in the process. It puts an uneasy feeling in my stomach. Well, you're talking about, and this is obviously, we're just talking strictly single, because obviously, talking single cause I feel like we're in dual agency situations all the time because of the Ravis umbrella. And technically, even in that situation, I mean, you represent both the seller and the buyer. He, I mean, here's ultimately what I think. Do I think dual agency is a racket? I think single agency, dual agency is a racket. Mm -hmm. Single agent, dual agency. I think that the whole thing needs to be restructured. And because what you were about to say is technically, even if it's two William Ravis agents that live on the other side of the state that never talk and blah, 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 blah. And they really could just kind of represent each party. They can't. I think they, need to, they, they can in a designated situation where they're both well, kind of, but they can't. Rarely do people ever sign a designated. They can't really go and, and really dig in on a negotiation. You're still transmitting information. I think that they need to rewrite dual agency and, Maybe they should just say single agencies out and we, we're going to go to this two agent situation and, and put in some guidelines that speak to designated, make it a little bit more yeah. understandable. I, well, that's for sure, because I, I, I know that there's multiple times and where give you a little more that you can do as a, right, as a designated dual. Because it also depends on who, because especially if you're working with an agent that's across the state from you that you are not familiar with, like their say their temperament. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I was in a situation in, in an office once and an, a, an agent within the office was like, oh, I'm going to be showing your property. It seems like a little overpriced, you know, so and so. You and can't it, even say that. Well, and immediately she brought in the manager and was like almost reprimanding this other agent because she's like, you know, technically you represent my client and we mm -hmm. have to stand firm on the price that I've like. So, I mean, we're then as agents underneath the same umbrella are then almost sort of required to, you know, just, you know, good job, buyer. Yeah, like, even if you don't believe that that's the right number, that's what he, what you've put as a list price. And because we're representing that, that seller too. So again, it's, I mean, and again, especially if you don't know temperaments of some agents, I mean, that could have gone in a completely different direction had they not sort of been kind of friends mm -hmm. and they couldn't sort of hammer it out like in that office. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's 
I, there's been a couple situations like where that's why I hate doing rentals. Li- I like, mean, you guys ugh. would everybody here in the office would want to have my head um, on a platter if I if I came out this door and said this right now. There have been times where I've thought mm, maybe we should just be a 100% listing shop. Hmm. Like I've actually thought that when I've gotten disgusted on dual agency situations, yeah, and when I've just gotten d- d- disgusted with the buyer. Um, I don't get it. Temperament. Oh, so you just like you're fired? Like you just because you don't like buy you don't like buyers. Like saying hey, saying or hey, because of dual like agency. What brokerage? There, there, I'm sure there's brokerages out there. I'm just not very familiar with any big ones doing it. Saying look, uh, we're just list, we're just work with listings. Because you've been running into some issues with with the situation. That's why. I, no, over the years I've seen issues with dual agency. Yeah. And within the same brokerage, and, but yeah. And I think it's I, and I think when you say, well, I'm really good at listing properties and working mm-hmm. with sellers. Do I go all in on that? Okay. And not work with buyers. We now listen. I'm the worst buyer agent here in our group. We have really good. You're a great buyer agent, so it's not something I would do. It's just something I, I think that maybe there's. I'd be interested to hear if there's mega teams um, thinking about just going all in on listings. So then it's an interesting. Probably thing, not then. because the expenses are higher and and it and it's cheaper to work to. You know, there's more. It's it, it can be more labor inducive physically well, on a sa- buyer. It would save you on lead generation because what are you generating a lead for? You then? get leads from your listings and the buyers. It's not a good business model. Now no, that I'm thinking it through. I'm <laughs> but <laughs> just like, but it, it, it's wait a minute. Why are we putting our why are we putting our riders on for sale signs? Then, but it's just very interesting because you will your paths will cross on these dual agent situations and how do you handle them what's your what's your uh status quo for, you know what's your procedure for that you know I, I, and i don't mean to sort of go off the hook here but i think that this would actually be a real like this is like days worth of training like dual agency yeah well we are training day after day after day here but yeah no i'm right. just i'm not saying that i'm just i mean let's move on to the next racket so i think we'll, we, we'll, let's revisit dual agency yeah. because there's a lot to talk about there, and I love, love your yeah, yeah love, love your thoughts on on dual agency if it's something that you practice in, in your marketplace. Racket number two, Airbnb will start designing houses in twenty nineteen. Uh, what do you think? I think it's spectacular. I was this, just saying before we went on air that I mean I would love to just I mean the amount of information they have. Well, I'm they're cashing certain. in on a network of more than five million homes, castles, and tree houses that they've had for rent. Uh, their business is worth an estimated thirty-eight billion as it stands today. Like, I just I wanted to see their data. Like this is going to be in a futures division of amazing. Airbnb uh, called Samara. And they were calling is, it backyard or something. Well, weren't Samara they? is the is the holding futures division. It seems like, and then backyard is this, um, you know, this new venture. And they're, I love it. Uh, the, the the futures division is meant to develop new products and services for the company. Love it. But backyard specifically um, will be really rethinking your design mm-hmm. and floor plans mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. and into the future and where you're going to be and and so they're really selling i guess ip more I so right i think it's awesome i mean and they and even in the article if you do read it it's actually a really interesting article um because it, it's it's 
it's talking about how Airbnb has really sort of changed the landscape of real estate, you know, yeah. in terms of values Hotels, and though. and what is becoming more valuable. And the house can be more valuable because you can obviously generate some of this additional money. I, I think I and, and I think it's smart for them to think next. Like, what's next? Like, what do we well, do I next think, with all I of think this? it's just smart to rethink housing as they stated. Well, here. and who knows better than them? Yeah. I mean, they have their their finger on the pulse. They're seeing what's rented. They're seeing what people are able to rent it for. They're seeing what spaces are obviously renting out the fastest. But you rethinking know? housing is smart. Like mm -hmm. we're living differently. We're, you know, Nicole lives in a really cool town here in Connecticut. I live right next door. Um, and uh, around our town green there, there are a ton of homes that are in the 1700s, mm -hmm. right? And when you think about how much differently we live today mm -hmm. than somebody from the 1700s, and these homes are in historic districts, and I was just in Charleston, South Carolina, and they have all these historic districts. They don't let you do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't even let them do Azek trim in certain parts of Charleston. They make them do pine. No, it's it's pine oh, because yeah. that's how it's yeah, always okay. been. That makes sense. And so then it rots out in, right. in four years. Well. So it doesn't make sense. And, and what also doesn't make sense are those 1700s homes. They're too ex First of all, they're too expensive to renovate to today's standards. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people want to renovate them. Mm -hmm. I got into an argument, one of Nicole's, not an argument, a debate, rather. Uh-oh. One of Nicole's parties last year, um, oh. you know, about how historic districts can hold certain communities back from people actually wanting to go there because they don't offer specifically the town we're talking about mm -hmm. there's not a besides our new development yeah there is well, not but that took years that took years it's of going super through lux. the historical <clears throat> yeah if you want space that's 2020 you can't get it on the guilford green in that town it doesn't exist okay it's all old homes it it costs a mint to redevelop those so we live differently. Yeah. Technology, having a home that, that speaks to your technology is going to be very, very important over the next 20, 30 years. And, and the UN, UN rather predicts, and this is out of the article that we'll link up, the world will construct of 2.5 trillion more square feet of buildings worldwide by 2060, which as um, they point out is the equivalent to another Paris every week. So think about that. If there's 2.5 trillion more square feet of buildings worldwide, mm -hmm. where do you think the people are going to flock to over the next 40 years between now and 2060? They're going to flock to markets and towns and cities that will allow the, this new type of space. And Airbnbs just basically setting themselves up to cash in on what's inevitable. Right, I agree. I, I I think though, as like a, as like a sidestep from what you're saying though, because I I do I agree with what it is that you're saying, but I think that there are also like my home is downtown, but I'm dual like I'm dual um, zone, so like I'm commercially zoned mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So I think I think in those situations, could you tear your house down? Um, I I don't I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, I may not be able to tear it down. No, but my point is, is how can I, how can I optimize my profit? Well, you can though? if you can't tear it down. You can't optimize. But, well, I can though because it's because it's because it's, it's it's also considered to be a multifamily. No, no, so no, no. what I can mean, I do? You can optimize it in their current yes. restraints. My saying is, you don't have free reign over your land. I agree. But uh, but uh, but uh, but this article is also talking about 
existing properties that are building um, accessory buildings or structures on the property too. So how right. can individuals optimize their investment? So if they're oh, okay with, with an accessory yeah. apartment in the back, the one thing here's the here's the layout that you should do that we're finding is to be the most successful for your, yeah. your Airbnb I mean, venture. Listen, and in the town that we're talking about, of Guilford, Connecticut, there are a lot of these properties that have legal outbuildings, yeah. which would be perfect for what Airbnb is kind of doing. But, but my overall point is when I you're your renovating yeah. yes. 1700s structures, well, especially when it's they're dramatically more expensive than yeah. just building new. Yeah. Well, the problem too is, is that, I mean, we're also in flood zones. So yeah. that plays a whole, that's like a whole nother layer. It's a whole nother problem. Um, it's slow that I mean, flood zones slow down development too, in my mind. But 100% um, not a racket for Airbnb to do this. It's, it's smart. Genius, yeah, it, I just I actually kind of want to sit down with like the back end and just just to you like wanna sit down with Airbnb. Hey, Airbnb, get them on the phone. <laughs> Nicole wants to talk to you. I just want to pick your brain a little. Racket number three, death of the home appraisal. So we know that every industry is getting chopped up in some manner. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of certain things, technology obviously being Cost. the biggest. And this is a proposed government regulations announced last week by the Office of Controller of Currency, the OCC, who would raise the threshold for residential real estate transactions requiring an appraisal to 400,000. So right now the threshold, which I will say I learned something new. Yeah. I did not realize that there was a threshold from either. the OCC that required uh, residential appraisals for the real estate track traction uh, transactions Transaction. up to $250,000, which was last increased in 1994. So basically, why is should this be an issue for appraisers? It's because they'll lose a lot of business. Banks could say up to four hundred thousand, which is a big chunk of sales. Huge chunk in America. Well, they're saying that they 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 feel like they need to up it because they're saying that the median sale price right now is two fifty. So that's why they wanted to jack it up to to the four hundred. I I mean, I, we were talking about it before. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a property that I had listed that was that was going through a bank. bank and typically, a hundred percent of them, obviously, that I've seen. You know, I, I will say that I think I've seen one situation in my career where there was not a bank appraisal and there was a bank, but it was it was like over a million bucks and they were putting down like two or three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Well, I mean, it, no, they were putting they were only borrowing two or three hundred thousand. You know, it was like one of those situations. Uh, so they were OK with it. They didn't the need to. Was just like, it doesn't whatever. matter. These people are loaded. Who cares? Yeah, I'd, I've never. It, but it's also saying, though, that you can it, it sounds like you can get an appraisal. It just doesn't have to be from a licensed appraiser. So I'm curious to see what will then happen with like BPO's because you could do BPO's. Although no, like, it won't be BPO's. Here's where the banks are going. But it's, but it's also, again, it's talking about trying to quantify, like we were saying, like market value. If a buyer is buying it, then in my mind, that's market value. So if they're willing to right. just go off of that, then like you have market value almost gonna all have, day when people are putting in contracts. They're going to have some checks and balances, right? They're going to look at some of these automated algorithms, not necessarily this estimate, although it may end up on their report. Stop it. I'm just That's irresponsible. I'm just giving you some examples. I think that the banks are really looking all the banks right now are looking on how to get closings down to a two or three week period they're all looking on that well, they in the, in should the back be, end because some are doing it and so part of that is how do we get more 
automated algorithmic algorithms maybe algorithmic algorithms to um give estimated home values what they should do is what isn't what is that i a few weeks we were talking about um is it zillow is like sending over comps and then the the seller gets to pick so maybe maybe the seller gets the seller gets to start doing the appraisal (laughs) but but here's you know one thing that's obvious how do you let me ask you this yeah how do you feel about appraisers Uh, not appraisers but how do you feel about the appraisals right now um I'm at, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, it's something that I don't think about often. So So I always come in. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's not true. I do have a few that like I have to, um, I don't know. It's, it goes back and forth, you know, cause sometimes they're like, Hey, can you like send me all the information? And then I'm like, but you're getting paid for this. Not me, but you obviously want to do right by your seller. So you want to supply information that they need. I I, I guess I don't think about it enough. So I guess I'm okay with it. Here's what I don't like about the bank appraisals in the system we do now with a licensed appraiser and appraisers are probably going to chew me up for this. Yeah. We have some friends. You're sending out one human being and it's their opinion. Well, especially things riding off. Especially if they're not from the area. Like, do you know where you are? Especially if they go, if if they just go and they just don't like you. Ooh. Like that's actually part of it, which and that's yeah. a small or part having, of like, it. Having like a bad day, or like maybe their kid was up all night and they're just trying to like. But there is right now. There's enough data, information, algorithms where, and I don't think this is probably the case in a marketplace like us, where you have a you know it's New England. You have a 1700s home, and then you have a you know a new one, and you have all this mixed bag of crap. But in a marketplace where you have a thousand homes in a gated community, it's very easy to sure. figure out the comps. And so I don't think appraisers like this, but I don't think this is a racket because the banks are going to do whatever they can to get the closing period, the under contract period to closing shorter. Yeah. This gets them closer. This allows them to, you know, if you're talking about saving maybe $300 per transaction on $500,000 transactions or 500,000 transactions, that's a big number for the banks. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm, pro bank but this is definitely where we're heading yeah and i i it's i think it's inevitable the appraisers have been really really um squeezed anyways oh they're they're, super squeezed yeah they really yeah they are super squeezed the amount of people that are getting out of it just because there's just there's just no longer any money to be made unless you're just like you've got to go super high-end add value strategy yeah are you right or, or you have to be you know doing them Hurt like not in a trend like if there's like a divorce or if someone's just I trying to figure out you know the, the I think if that's your your gimmick your thing yeah. that's what you like to do is evaluate homes you're probably ultimately going to get sucked in as an employee to some of these big real estate yeah. firms down the road and that's where but you lose it it's a hard I mean I think that going up to 400 makes the most sense because like you were saying before it's super easy to I feel like justify numbers up to there especially because there's so many happening there's just it's, a lot of transactions it's really when you know you're trying even as an agent like you're looking at a home that you know is worth probably two or three million dollars but there's legitimately just no comps yeah. so and like well, what te- like what are you what, like and technology is going to dial this in a little bit yeah. more so hmm. we, we we had a lot there certainly please leave us a comment on any one of these four topics uh anything oh, that done? you're thinking or any, yeah we're done that we, was it we gotta go to the meeting that was it wow uh, um hmm. anything you're thinking of any topics you want us to cover drop it in the comments and uh, and subscribe up if you haven't for crying out loud. I should subscribe. Throw us the damn subscribe. Nicole, I'll subscribe. subscribe to the show. Subscribe today. All right, keep it real out there. Bye guys.